Podcast Answer Man, episode number 276. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast about podcasting, helping you take your show to the next level. Whether you are a brand new podcaster, if you have been podcasting for many years, or you haven't quite gone over to learnhowtopodcast.com to get started with your own show, there's something we can all do to take what we're doing to the next level. That's right, my friends. And this week, I had this brand new source of inspiration that seemingly came out of nowhere, but it's been building for quite some time. And it has everything to do with taking things for Podcast Answer Man, gspn.tv, and everything that I'm doing in my business to a whole new level that, to be quite honest with you, and there's that whole to be quite honest with you as if I'm not honest with you all the time. But anyway, that it just scares the daylights out of me. I, I am. I I am anxious about a big decision that I am thinking about, that I am considering. And it is the idea, this crazy idea. Actually, there are two of them kind of put together. And it happens to have happened after having a conversation with one of my uh, several business advisors. And it's a conversation that's happened several times about this idea of one aspect of hiring an employee, somebody who would be, uh, you know, a part of my team officially, and even somebody who is present in person, physically in the same space for that synergy of working together Uh, somebody who buys into the whole mission and the purpose and the vision for what we're doing here with Podcast Answer Man, with GSPN as a whole, and the Podcast Mastermind and everything else that I'm involved in, Ravenscraft Enterprises LLC, if you will. And yeah, this idea, and, and I remember the first couple times this was brought up, I'm just like, yeah, that's just not who I am. It's not what I'm going to do. I don't want that. I've used virtual assistants, and I love my virtual assistants. I I love the virtual assistant that I have today. Uh, Andrea does wonderful things when I need her to do those things, and when I don't need her, it's great that I don't have to pay anything. Uh, There's kind of that freedom there, but there, there are times when I remember back when I had a retainer contract, and when I was already committed to paying a certain amount, I used my virtual assistants more. I delegated more things. I probably got more things done and I see myself kind of pulling back and now that I don't have a retainer and not delegating as much as I used to. Anyway, so there's this idea of of an employee and that's that's one thing and you know that's one thing that it's taken a long time to wrap my mind around, but I'm not opposed to it. Now when would I hire my first official in person physically present employee? have no idea. Uh, I've begun to kind of think through that process, and for those who might not be offended, I have been praying about the the potential of an employee to come along at, at the right time, whenever that may be, whether it be, you know, I meet them this evening by chance, or whether it be 
uh, a couple months from now or if it's even a year or two from now. But I feel like there's a chance that I'm having an employee, a physically present employee, and maybe even the plural form employees down the road may not be out of the question. I don't know. It's a little scary, but that's not what the scary part is. The scary part is, is that I have been looking into a physical location outside of my home, taking this business and giving it its own commercial space. And that, my friends, is scary. And and what's scary about it is the fact that, okay, it wasn't too big for me to think about the idea you know, of, of moving out of the house and, and actually have moving my business into a place where I could go one place and do work and come another place and do family life. You know, that, that that's kind of appealing in, in many ways. And with the commercial space, there's also some other things that I could do. Uh, I, I started to get excited about the idea of having a set up studio and having my office in a different space than my studio was in. That way, when Stephanie and Sarah come in and do Authentic Life Radio, I don't actually have to leave my physical working space. I could actually continue to work whether they had a show to record or not, which meant that not only could they do it, but I could actually have a studio where other people can come in. I could actually have my own internet television broadcasting station and internet radio broadcasting station right here out of Hebron, Kentucky. And and all of this stuff and and, and all of a sudden the possibilities and then if, you know, and of course my business advisor was telling me, he says, you know, just think about this. You, you If you get an employee, you don't want them to come to your house, but you know, it, sure, you could do that. People have done that. I've done that. But but man, if, if all of a sudden you get this employee and you get the right one, and it's like, you know what? Hey, if you don't mind, I'll lock up tonight. I'm going to stay a couple extra hours. You know, if that's out of your house, are you going to really want them there until eight or nine or 10 o'clock at night? So there's all of those things. And I started thinking about it. And what made what made this so scary is the fact that I've been eyeing this building that's been vacant since 2005. And it, it, it used to be an auto parts store and it's just been sitting there vacant and it's a block building. It's got a brick front and kind of as I've driven by it, I've, I was thinking it's like, wouldn't that be a neat studio space? And I looked into it and the, the you know, with the real estate being what it is, I called the uh, agent that, you know, for the number on the door and they said, oh, it's so funny that you called today because just today they reduced it to this amount. And this amount is a ridiculously low number. And it it is seemingly affordable. Of course, the thing is, is I call my dad up uh, who has a lot of business experience as well. And I would actually run this by a lot of other of my business advisors. But you know, he's like, man, Cliff, that is the greatest idea. You should do that. And not only that, you should... Uh, not pass this up because here's the situation. There are so many times I've looked at deals like this and just waited because I I was worried would the income be there to cover it. And he says, I can't tell you the number of times where the that real estate had doubled and tripled uh, just over the course of one or two years. And man, he says, I, I think you, you're at a place where you could do it. And Stephanie's completely on board. And it's like, oh, it's, all of a sudden, I was hoping to have some voices out there that would throw, say, Cliff, you need to hold back with this. Maybe you're, are you sure you've got it? And stuff like that. And nobody's done that. And so all of a sudden, there's this potential. He says, the only thing I would recommend that you, you know, if it's a, I don't know, I think it was a, it was at 106000 or yeah, I think it was $106,000 for this Com- prime commercial location and 
I would own that building. He says, what I would recommend that you do is you you would have no problem getting a loan uh, for three hundred thousand. Uh, that way that you'll be able to renovate it the way you need it renovated and all this other stuff and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden I started thinking about what's the, you know, what is the, you know, mortgage payment on a $300,000 commercial building, the insurance and the, the, all of the other things that are involved. And all of a sudden it's like, this is so far out of my comfort zone that I kind of crawled into my little shell and I'm like, oh, why did I even mention this? But I don't know, maybe Maybe it might be a part of the future, and I don't know. I, I, I share it with you guys just to share the beginning of what might be something big in the future, and, and I can't say for sure, but I'm putting it out there. I'm putting it out there. The, these are two things that I'm thinking of, a commercial space for an official gspn.tv world headquarters, uh, a, a studio space that who knows, I might actually be doing some pretty exciting things in the future that are beyond what I dream. And of course, that's the thing. I think that there are bigger things that that are going to be happening down the road that I haven't even dreamed of yet. And well, anyway, that's what I'm thinking. Taking things to the next level, my friends, it's not always comfortable. It's not always easy. Maybe it means that you need to spend a couple more hours each week building relationships with people. Maybe it, you need to you know, invest a couple hundred dollars more and, and get that next piece of audio equipment. Maybe you need to go out and buy a $300,000 commercial space when all of your business advisors and you know that very um, most amazing woman in your life, your wife, tells you this is the next right thing. I think you're, I think we should do this. Even when I say to her, but are we sure we want to go to that place where I am not going where we're that tight financially again? And and she doesn't seem to back down. And there there's a lot about that that I look into. And and when all of my business advisors agree and when my wife agrees, then all of a sudden I feel like ah. so I've got a lot more praying to do, a lot more thinking to do, a lot more advice to get. But um I'll be honest with you, there's a part of me that just wants to go to bed and say, that was a dream, uh, and uh, I don't think I'm going to tell anybody about that, but here I am telling you, so uh, it's out there. Uh, we'll see how we'll see where it goes. I'll certainly give you updates as I go. Hey, I want to turn over to the voicemail feedback hotline. Uh, this is a special show today. It's a little bit longer than normal. Uh, it's going to be over an hour, but, but I hope that you'll stick around because I'm going to share... Um, kind of a monologue, if you will, for the social media segment, but Eric Fisher is standing by so that we can, so that I can have somebody to bounce the conversation off of about something drastic that I'm doing in my own social media uh, things. Uh, I've got some things that I want to share that kind of nervous to share myself there. But before I do that, I do want to cover two big topics. One of the things that I want to cover came in as an audio question from Brian related to WordPress. So I'm going to go ahead and play that question, and I'll give Brian an answer to his WordPress question. Hey, podcast answer man. This is Brian from Springfield, Missouri. Hey, I got a question about WordPress categories. Um, I'm putting the categories on my page, like video, and then when I when I pull it up, the WordPress slug always says, like, mysite.com forward slash category forward slash videos, and I don't want it to say category. There's a few reasons for this. I don't want everybody knowing that I'm using WordPress. I think it looks bad. I'd rather it just say mysite.com forward slash videos. And so I was wondering if you had any tips about 
how to get rid of that category slug or base, whatever it's called. Anyways, I hope to hear from you. Thanks. All right, Brian, thank you for the question. And one of the things that I love about this, and and early on when I started Podcast Answer Man, I was like, am I really the Podcast Answer Man? Because I don't have all of the answers. And this is one of those uh, places where I didn't have the answer to this question. So the cool thing is, is as the Podcast Answer Man, I went and found the answer for you. And I want to give a great shout out to my friend Dustin Hartzler. He is a member of the Podcast Mastermind. You can find information about that at podcastmastermind.com. But Dustin Hartzler has an entire brand, an entire business, an entire podcast all about WordPress kind of issues. And you can find him at yourwebsiteengineer.com, yourwebsiteengineer.com. So I took this voicemail, I attached it to an email to my friend Dustin and said, Dustin, any chance you can give me some insight on this? And he says, Cliff, there are many ways that you can go in to WordPress and make sure that you get rid of that category slug so that you know it doesn't have that category base. However, the easiest way is to use this plugin, and it is a plugin in WordPress called WP-No-Category-Base, all right? And what I'll do is I'll, if you go to podcastanswerman.com forward slash 276, Brian, I will have a link directly to that. You install that plugin, supposedly you just activate it, and then all of a sudden when you go to your categories, they will not have that category base any longer. Now just remember that your categories can't be the same permalink as your images that you've uploaded, They can't, or any files that you've uploaded in your media center. Um, you can't have them be the, the same category listing as your pages, uh, or the same slug as your pages or any of the posts that you've done before. So kind of keep that in mind, but uh, hopefully that helps you out. Now, normally, I only include questions from the community in Podcast Answer Man if they're called in on our voicemail feedback hotline. And the reason why is because I really don't like to read into a microphone. I, I, I kind of I'm kind of terrible at it, to be honest with you. So basically, I I usually require that people call in or actually record in audio form their feedback for the show, asking a question for Podcast Answer Man. Today, I am going to make an exception, and I just wanted to share with you a comment, a question that was posted as a comment in a recent blog post that I put on PodcastAnswerMan.com. And if you're not aware of this, there are times between episodes that I actually do blog posts. In fact, you can go to podcastanswerman.com slash resurrection. This past week, I did a blog post asking the question, does podcasting need to have a comeback? Because somebody else said, well, I'll tell you what, if you want the full story, uh, go to podcastanswerman.com slash resurrection. In the comment section of that, Joan asked this question. She says, If somebody invites you to be a guest on their hour-long podcast and you don't know them, what criteria do you use to determine whether or not that might be an hour of wasted time or one hour very well spent? I get a fair number of invitations and sure would like to be able to vet these these hosts before I say yes. And so, of course, as you might imagine, I respond to comments that are left on my site. So if you wanted to, you can go to podcastanswerman.com slash 276. And I'm sure after you hear the social media segment in a little bit, uh, 
chances are you're going to want to leave some feedback. You're going to have some comments. And I encourage you to go to podcastanswerman.com slash 276 to leave them. Anyway, I responded and gave a couple of ideas. And I said, here's just a few things that I check out before I go accepting an invitation to be a guest on someone else's show. Number one, do they have more than 10 episodes? And then I told her that I only accept invites to be on a show that has a minimum of 10 episodes or that I am almost certain will be an ongoing show. Now, I've shared this before, but a majority of podcasts created do not ever make it past episode number seven. The ones who make it past 10 episodes typically go on and are pretty consistent. That means the the show host is well committed to the program. Now, does this mean I never... In, uh, accept an invitation from somebody who has less than 10 episodes? No. I've been the first guest on the first episode of many shows, but it's always been for people that I know extremely well, clients that I worked with that I have no doubt that they have an investment that is large enough in the project that I have no doubt that they'll make it past 10 episodes. So that's one of the criteria that I look at. Number two, I look at the niche topic slash focus of the podcast and I ask myself, will that show's target audience be interested in the message that I have to share? Now, this does, I want to just clarify it. This, this isn't, would these people buy things from me? That's not what I'm talking about. But would these people care about the message that I have? And, and specifically, would I want their audience to come check out my show? That, and and not, maybe it's not even just podcast answer man. I have I do have multiple shows. I have a faith based show, a family based show, a, a, a several entertainment based show. I've got all kinds of different shows. So the question I ask myself is: Would I want the 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 target audience of this person's podcast to check out something that I'm doing? And would do I believe that their audience is going to be interested in the message that I have to bring? You know, what value am I bringing to that audience? That's the question. Number three, I do evaluate the host or hosts of the show for their professionalism. Now, I'm not saying that I don't do interviews for hobbyists. I simply mean that I don't do interviews where the host or hosts don't take themselves and what they're doing seriously. If they're just throwing together this thing and they really have no aim, they have no plan, they have no purpose, they're really just creating content just to be silly and they don't have anything better to do, it, it, I've probably got better things to do with my time. But if it's just a hobby and they're and they're not looking to do anything, you know, they're not I have no problem being on somebody's show that is doing a show as a hobby just for fun. I don't care if they only have 50 subscribers and they have no real drive to 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 increase it massively. But they're doing what they're doing because they love it and because they're passionate about the topic. And that's the most important thing is that they have an avenue to get their voice out there and they take that seriously. So that's the level of professionalism that I'm speaking about. I evaluate the hosts of that show to see if they're doing what they're doing in a professional manner, taking this taking this seriously. And 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 I and maybe professionalism isn't the right word, but at least you get the idea now that I've kind of explained it in more detail. So number four, I evaluate the content of the show. I have turned down several interview requests because when I had checked out the episodes of the most recent posts that were on their site, 
uh, where I was invited to be the guest had a lot of foul language. It was highly political. It was rude or crude or just yeah, it just wasn't something I wanted to be associated with in any way, shape, or form. And I will turn down many requests just for that alone. So I do evaluate the content of that show. And then, number five, I also make sure to get a feeling of uh, the reason why am I being invited to be a guest on this show. And I'll, I'll tell you, one of the reasons that I'm very big on this is because I was once invited to be a guest on a 60-minute podcast. And I just, at the time, I was just agreeing to be on anybody's show. Well, it actually ended up taking more than 90 minutes to record their 60-minute show. I, I was expected to sign on to Skype. I had to wait for them to be ready to get connected. Um, when they took breaks, they took breaks. I had to wait during their breaks. And to turn out, I wasn't even being interviewed as a guest. I was actually expected to just be a panelist, a part of the discussion to discuss general technology for a specific edition of their show. And out of the 90 minutes I, I spent connected to Skype, or more than 90 minutes, I probably only talked for about 10 or 15 minutes of airtime on the show. And it really wasn't anything that I I didn't highlight any of my expertise. It was just a bunch of opinion. And it wasn't something that I was even passionate about. So today I make sure that the person that is inviting me on their show wants me there because I have something of value, some kind of experience, some kind of advice, some kind of information that is going to deliver something to their audience and that, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, I'm in and I'm out, you know, and if it's a 60 minutes, I want to be engaged, but I want to make sure that what I'm being engaged with is something that I'm passionate about. And so I want to know, why do you want to interview me? What's the purpose? What's the value? What are you bringing? What am I bringing to your audience here? So those are just a few of the things that I'm looking into when I when I actually evaluate whether or not. Uh, I'm going to spend some time being a guest on somebody else's show. Alrighty, um, I'll tell you what, we're going to get to our social media segment in just a moment, but before we do, I just want to remind you that I have another podcasting A to Z course coming up here. This will be my seventh, I believe, link A to Z, there we go. Uh, podcasting A to Z course it is going to start on September 24th, that's Monday, September 24th, it goes for four weeks. And I do have an audio testimonial from somebody who just completed the course. It is four and a half minutes long, but I'd rather let him talk about the course rather than me go on and on about it. Hi, Cliff. It's Dr. Kenny Handelman from ADHDpodcast.com. I just wanted to send you a quick audio to thank you. Thank you for podcasting A to Z. I wanted to share this with you to let you know how much I appreciated the course. And if you want to share this with others, you're certainly welcome to do so. I just wanted to give you a bit of background and let you know how the course worked for me. So first of all, I was introduced to your podcast by a friend. Uh, it was probably about eight or 10 weeks before podcasting A to Z started in July. And I was really impressed. I was impressed by the content you were sharing. I was impressed by the production value of your podcast. And most importantly, I was really impressed by your integrity. Uh, you built a strong community. You shared a message with me that was meaningful and I respected, and still do, how you delivered your message. So when podcasting A to Z was introduced and I found out that I could take part in training with you and learn everything I would need to know to get my podcast going, not just the technical things, the knobs and settings and 
websites and MP3s and all that kind of stuff, but also the reason why and how to connect with my listeners and how to build a community. Uh, I was very interested. Um, I'm a doctor who specializes in treating ADD and ADHD in kids, teens, and adults. And really, people need to get the right information uh, because there is so much misinformation out there. So I was considering doing a podcast. I've been blogging for a while and thought it would be good. So I went through all the materials, took a look at what you were offering, and decided to register. So when I registered for Podcasting A to Z, you gave me access to the tutorials, and I was able to get started, and I did. I went through a couple of the trainings. I saw how detailed, thorough, and clear you made everything, even complicated things. You break it down into simple steps and make it very doable. So I got access to the tutorials, and then when Podcasting A to Z started in July, uh, at the start of the course, I had 10 days of absolute busyness. Uh, my cousin was getting married. We had family in from out of town. I was on call. Like it was just everything was happening and I couldn't take part too much in the first 10 days worth of training. But as you describe, the materials are there for me. It's not that I missed anything. And after I finished that busyness, I got going with the course and got actively involved. And I caught up and I got everything I needed to. And what I found is the best part of the training is the fact that you provide so much individual attention. You promise this, and at the beginning of the course, you send an email or a notice to the class members and say, listen, I'm available on these days, but on this day and this half day, I'm not available for emails. And you stuck to that, and it was perfect. If I emailed you on the right day, I got a message back within hours, and it was detailed and specific and clear and just so helpful. And when I took a look around the class in the uh, online members area, I saw that you were... The same with every single member, over 30 people, and you were so dedicated to answer every question, give very specific, helpful suggestions with a lot of heart and caring in them. So that was fantastic. I did get my studio set up so I can do things like this. I can say, thank you, Cliff, and play this. I can just play a little audio in the background, and of course... I learned how to do this from you, Cliff, and I'm proud of the quality of the audio I can produce now. I love it. It sets a high standard for what I'm capable of doing. So I did get my studio set up. I've published four episodes of ADHD Podcast. It's in iTunes and BlackBerry and all of that. And as I'm recording this today on Monday, September 3rd, I've had 4,033 downloads of my podcast, which I'm thrilled about. That's 4,033 people who have learned a different message about ADHD, a hopeful message, strategies that work and can help them. I've had great comments and feedback, great interaction with comments on my blog, and it's just been wonderful. So I really appreciate you, appreciate the training, and thank you for podcasting A to Z. So if you're, you do decide to share this with any listeners, I'll just say this. If you're considering podcasting A to Z, go for it. Cliff will give you excellent training not just the specifics, the knobs and the technical details and the you know plugins and WordPress and websites and everything. He'll also tell you why to podcast, how to podcast, how to connect with your members and how to do it with integrity. So Cliff, thanks a ton and good luck with the next class. All right. Thank you so much, Kenny. I know it was very lengthy, but I, I, I felt like he covered a majority of the value that podcasting A to Z brings. I won't say anything more. You can go over to podcasting A to Z dot com. And if you want to save one hundred dollars off of the cost of the course, use discount code P 
P-A-M stands for Podcast Answer Man. Discount code P-A-M in the shopping cart when you register at podcastingatoz.com. Well, my friends, we are going to be doing something a little bit different this week on the social media segment. I have on the line with me, who's been standing by patiently, Eric J. Fisher. Welcome back to the Podcast Answer Man Show. Thank you. Great to be here. This week, we have a topic that I wanted to bring up and kind of just discuss, kind of, you know, just kind of hash out the conversation. I don't know that I've actually had this conversation outside of thoughts in my mind. I've just kind of been processing things over the last several years. And in the last several months, I've been kind of thinking about doing something drastic with my Twitter account. You and I have had some conversations about how Twitter's changed some things with their APIs and their relationships with other people. And I made a drastic decision uh, decision about the way that I am handling my social media accounts. Do you, are you ready to have this conversation? It could be quite controversial. We're, we're going to have that conversation. We're going to get inside your head, Cliff. Well, I am going to. What be- did you do? <laughs> what what did, did you do? What did I do? Well, obviously, I've I've been a huge fan of Twitter for many, many years. It's been my number one social network of choice. And I, I shared probably a couple months ago the transition of the approach that I took to Facebook and other social networks, but more specifically Facebook and, and the posting of images when creating status updates and I've seen so much engagement there and obviously one of the biggest things that I've wanted from Twitter which still has never materialized is threaded comments where the conversation could literally live on for months without losing the the chronological order in which comments come in now, Twitter's been doing some things. You can see how even in the web interface, they're they're threading those things out, but it it's never lived up to what I've seen happen in Facebook. For example, there are pictures that I started posting like two months ago, and then all of a sudden, somebody will be going through my timeline, and they'll leave a comment, and because they left a comment, the 35 other people who had commented on that before all got a notification that there was an additional comment on this, on this post or this photo that they commented on and they come back in and they're carrying on that conversation further, almost like an online discussion forum. And it is exactly the way that I I would hope this content would kind of continue to to keep itself, you know, contained where all of the community could come together and really partake in that conversation. So And you being the the instigator of it, let me just say, is the fact that you you may you might be too busy to keep jumping in there continually to keep it going, but other people getting those notification takes the weight of the carrying that conversation forward off of you. Exactly. That that is exactly right. And so And you're busy. I I am busy. And I still am reading all the comments or most of right. them. And and the the nice thing about it is it you know on Facebook people are still relatively brief in their comments although you know you can write an entire ebook inside of a comment these days on Facebook uh, trust me I know because <laughs> I've done it <laughs> you've done it but I, here's the situation I I would say that probably about six weeks ago my number one most favorite social network became Facebook 
Wow. I did I just say that? You did. It, it's on record. Oh my gosh! Unless I, you don't release this. Wow. I, I I can't believe I just said those words out loud. Facebook is my number one most favorite social network. And it's for all the reasons that many people had said, you know, for the longest time. It's where everybody is and, and all this other stuff. There's a lot of junk on there. But the cool thing about Facebook is I've I've always found methods and mechanisms for tuning out the junk. Like, you know, the notifications. They mm-hmm. give you the ability if somebody says, hey, somebody just, in, you know, sent you this animal in Farmville. You can click the little X and say, turn this app off. And and so it takes a while to train it, but eventually, you know, you get those little notifications from Facebook apps. Very rare. It's very rare that they come in. It's only when there's happens to be maybe a brand new app that's come out. And if you're like me and you're checking your notifications on a regular basis, you know, you just only you're only going to get it one time from that new app because you're going to turn it off and you won't get any future ones from anybody else that you're connected with. So, yeah, I Facebook, it, it, it is where I find myself. If I, I unlinked my account, so Twitter is no longer feeding information to LinkedIn. Twitter is no longer feeding information to Facebook. So if I actually want to publish something and I think that it's important enough that I want everybody everywhere that I'm connected to to get, then I will, number one, go to Facebook and publish it there first. Number two, I go and publish it on um, Twitter. And number three, I go and publish it on LinkedIn. I don't, however, publish it to Google+. I'm not completely done with Google+. I still just have not been compelled to to continue to move forward in that space. I I know that as a business and SEO and search rankings and all that stuff, I I should, you know, some people might think that I should care more about that than I do. I, you know, for right now, just, it's just not where I am. That's all right. But if, if there's a quick status update that I want to make and I'm, and, and I I just want to get it out and put out like a, for example, at the end of the night last night, I took and and grabbed a screen grab of my, Fitbit stats at the end of the day. I noticed that, you know, I was posting uh, fit my Fitbit running stats or my walking stats and my exercise to, I was letting that post to my uh, Facebook account and people, and a lot, I would get a lot of likes and some comments along the way each day at the end of the day. And that was pretty cool. And so last night I, I've, I've actually transferred everything over to my Fitbit. You can read about it at gspn.tv slash Fitbit if you want. But um, I, I I switched everything over, so at the end of the night, I wanted to share how my day went, you know, just give those stats, let people know that I'm physically active, and not just to say, hey, look at me, I'm so cool, but to inspire others. That's what that's the whole purpose of me sharing that. And so I did. I did a screen grab. I uploaded it as a photo to Facebook, and I left a little comment, and that was it. I was done. I did think, hmm, should I share that on on Twitter? And I thought, mm, no, I'm going to bed. And that was it. And and all of a sudden, I've seen this mind shift change in the way that I'm interacting on Twitter. And there's a lot more that's going into Facebook than there is going into Twitter. So then what are you doing with Twitter? Well, something has changed drastically with Twitter. And this is, this is, the, this is the drastic tra- change that I've made. 
One of the things that has been going on for me for a very long time is the fact that I was connected to, or I was following about 15, 16, sometimes 1,700 people on Twitter. Uh, as I'm recording today, I have 9,001 followers, which, you know, I've seen a, uh, a slow decrease over the last couple of weeks. I think I was like at 9,040 a couple weeks ago, and now I'm down to 9,001, which is not a big deal to me, um, but but I have seen a steady decrease. But here's the situation with Twitter. I, w- I still check Twitter all day long, and when it comes to real-time conversation with people, I still want to use Twitter for that. I do have more, I'm connected to way more people as far as people who are following what I have to share on Twitter. I have 9,000 people on Twitter. I have maybe 25. 5, 26, 2700 people on Facebook. So certainly there's there's a potential for reaching more people on Twitter than there is Facebook. But when it comes to my timeline, you know, you and I are both using Tweetbot, right? Yes. And Tweetbot allows you to click at the top and change your timeline to any, and you can actually have it to where the default timeline or whatever is actually displaying a list of people. Instead of your full-blown 1,700 people you're following. So I created a private list. And this private list was called People I Follow. And in that private list were about mm, 60, 70 people. Tops. And I would actually pull that up and I would go through and, and I would be following some really cool people. And I would that that was my Twitter experience. That's Those were the things. And, and it... If I wanted like more of a fire hose and and I had a lot of extra time and well, the 50 or 60 or 70 people that I'm following in my private timeline was filled up, I would actually say, okay, let me go back to the original timeline and just see, you know, a a little bit more of what's been going over the last two hours because I'm bored and I'm just sitting here and I just want to see what people are up to. Well, the problem that I had was that with Twitter... I had a couple people in my private timeline in this this people I follow list on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And they were doing some really silly things. I mean, you know, they're promoting contests. You know, help me win this free iPad. Help me win this. Help me do that. Um, and it, it just just some of the more annoying things that are there. I didn't um, know people still did that. They do. I thought because I, I haven't seen it. Well, it, it, and it's, I'm, I'm just giving you, that's a kind of an example. Yeah. I, I, okay. don't, I don't want to say specifically some of the things that were done because, well, because the, it was within the 70 people that I follow. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's people that I'm pretty close to. Right. Okay. But, but even they were doing some really silly things and I'm like, seriously. And so I went in and I, I, I didn't want to unfollow them. I wanted to just remove them from the list of people I follow. I'm still following them. I'll still see them when I go out to my main timeline to get the more of the fire hose. But I I just don't want to see those tweets all day long. And and certainly not that many of them. So I would remove them from the list. And I would go to, you know, maybe three times, four, sometimes five times a day. I pull out my phone and check out that, you know, list of people, see what's going on uh, when I'm taking breaks in between different productivity uh, you know, parts of my day. And I noticed these people's tweets were still showing up. And it's like, I know I removed them. And, and then I went in and 
tried to, you know, mute them for 12 hours. And of course that would work, but then they repeat, you know, 12 hours later they come in and they're that same stuff showing up in my private timeline. And so I went to the web and tried to remove them from the private, from the list there. And sure enough, they're not supposed to be in the list, but Tweetbot for some reason is archiving this. Uh, the fact huh. that, that they're a part of the list. And I've had that happen in the past with a, a couple other Tweetbot filters or muting or things like that. Right. It's it's like Tweetbot kind of archived your people that you're following in that list, I, I, I suppose. So I actually went in and deleted my entire GSPN Twitter account out of Tweetbot and re-signed in as new. And I said, I want to just follow the people I follow list. And it continues to show me those same people over and over again. So much so that it's like, wait a second, this is somebody I'm pretty close to. And now I'm frustrated that they're there. And, you know, I just like, man. And so I, I basically said, what if I did what Michael Hyatt did? And, and this refers to a post that I saw. I probably saw this about six, seven, eight months ago. And I think you've seen it too. You just sent me an email to it earlier. And it is, uh, yes. What's the title of that article? It was a year ago. It was, uh, September 2011th. It's, it's why I stopped following you on Twitter as well as how I unfollowed 108,698 people on Twitter and reclaimed my inbox. Exactly. And well, the one that I, that caught my attention is why I stopped following you on Twitter and this, this really got my attention, and I went through and I read the post, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's a little drastic. And I remember thinking, I would never do that. You know, I, I just couldn't see myself doing that. And it's like, and the, the, he says, what are the benefits? Number one, it'll eliminate all DM spam. And I must admit that the people that I chose were pretty good about not clicking on other stuff. Yes, I did get a couple people that says, haha, I saw this picture of you. And it's like seriously that that happened to you you clicked on that and and but it, you know it's, it's like that happened very few and far between i mean i wasn't following 108,000 people i was only following 16 1700 people so um eliminating dm spam it wasn't the biggest thing for me although i will say it was kind of crazy there are several people who would dm me when obviously these people are so close to me that they absolutely know by now that my number one preferred method of communication, if you want to have a conversation or if you want to request something from me that I will eventually put on a to-do list, that to email me. I mean, these are mm-hmm. people, it's like, and, and all of a sudden it's like, hey Cliff, will you do this? And all of a sudden that's a DM. And I'm like, oh, and then I'm, you know, I'm trying to, I, then I actually take Tweetbot and I for, I actually take that tweet or that DM and I email it to myself. And you know what, as you're saying this, I'll admit I am, I have been guilty of this to you a couple of times. And I just realized I did that. It's not a big deal, but I mean, it, <laughs> I do, I mean, I do email you primarily, but I have DM'd you when I could have emailed you. Yeah. And it, it's not a huge deal. It's just that I try to keep everything in email. And, and I've learned that, you know, yes, I know the email works best for me, but there are people who prefer to reach out in other ways. That's their preferred. Matter of fact, Gary Leland is a guy that I've been connecting with a lot lately and he's like, you know, Cliff, man, seriously, you're going to make me email? And it's like, listen, if I, I ch- you can send me a Facebook message, but understand this. It could take 30 to 45 days before I get around to actually even reading the Facebook message that you'll send me. 
Uh, but if you email me, I'll see it within probably within hours, if not within a day at the most. And and you'll get a response probably within, you know, 24 hours or 48 hours most of the time. And and so, um, yeah, so I, I realize that people do this. But, yeah, eliminating DMs for the most part would be kind of nice, especially from people that, you know, with 1,700 people, there's a lot of people out of the 1,700 that honestly, you know, I, I, I why am I giving all of those people the the ability to send me that direct private communication you know, my email address is not difficult to find. If they want to reach me, they can. And mm-hmm. I just make it so easy for them to DM me. Uh, and again, I'm trying to maintain margin. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pulled in so many directions. I'm at this place where maybe an employee is is coming up in my mind and so many other things. So that I all of a sudden I'm thinking, wow, he, he was talking about the fact that he's eliminated most DMs. Uh, not just he was talking about spam, but I'm just talking about, you know, one of the ways to remove a lot of DMs is by removing the ability to do DMs. Right. And of course, you can only DM me if I'm following you. Um, he said, number two, it will eliminate questionable associations. He says, as the result of auto following, I can't control what appears in my timeline. Now, the thing is, is, of course, I didn't auto follow anyone. I've personally chose to follow all of the 16 1700 people that i was following um so you know i was in control of that although i will tell you that a lot of those were what we call what i i think are called courtesy follows right meaning that if you've bought a product for me if you have done anything said anything nice about me online or anything like that you know who am i not to follow you back it's kind of like this is in my mind, it's been like following you has been my way of affirming you and and the value that you have to offer. And that, my friend, is the scariest part of this conversation. I, you, I agree. Because now all of a sudden, that has been the way that I've thought. And when I that's and that's why, you know, I've heard people, you know, friends of ours who have said, I'm going in and I'm unfriending everybody on Facebook. And, and I'm like, man, I can't believe you would do that. It's brutal. It's brutal. And How I've done you? it. Oh, what? <laughs> I really have. Like I've pulled on Facebook. I really have pulled back to literal relationships. Have you? So. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, exactly. And and so here's the deal. And of course, he's number three. It's going to improve your clout score. Now, for me, clout score. Yeah. yeah, clout score for me. I, I For me, I'm not really looking to go out and get a job stuff like that. I know some people might be interested in that. I have a pretty decent clout score anyway. Yeah, so, I'm looking it up for you because yeah, I want to know. I, I think I'm right around a 70, which 70 is pretty decent, I think. I, I usually hover around there. I might actually go up with all the Facebook stuff. You, you have a 69. Oh, I have a 70. Ah, ah, I win. <laughs> all right, cool. Never mind. So anyway, here's here's the drastic thing that I did. And I'll I'll add one other thing. Actually, before I talk about what I did, I want to tell you because I think people probably understand by now. But I right. want to I want to bring up one other element. Have you ever heard of Dunbar's number? I have. It's actually a pretty fascinating concept. Can you kind of give an overview of what Dunbar's number is in your own in your own words? Sure. Um, well, this guy named Dunbar, he basically came up with this theory that. There's like a limit of people who you can maintain a certain amount of stable relationships with. with. And, and the number 
is supposedly 150. Um, there's there's also a range that some people say that it's it's like 100 to like 250 or something like that. So somewhere in that range, and so that's kind of you know the the um, any any more past that, and they're not really a relationship, I guess. Right. Exactly. And and that's the thing is it's it you know it's this cognitive limit in our mind of the people who we can maintain stable social relationships with and that that for me was and i heard this i think it gosh must have been the tipping point or it must have been um some other book by malcolm gladwell's the first time i heard about something it was one of those books that he wrote uh outliers may have been i I don't may have been it yep anyway um but it, it's this limit of the people where I can have stable interpersonal relationships and where those interpersonal relationships as real, authentic, genuine friendships can be maintained. And here is the thing that has bothered me the most is the number of times at the end of the day, my wife will say, hey, did you see that tweet that I posted today? And I'm like, no. I didn't. Oh. And and I'm like, so let me go look. And she's like, okay. And I said, well, just tell me what you said. No, no, you got to go see it. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So I look it up and I'm like, man, I can't. And so I had a list called family, but sometimes I forget to go and change my, you know, list in Tweetbot over to the family just to check in and make sure. And and what I found is that my family you know, my daughter, my wife, and several other important friends, because I'm not on Twitter all day, every day, I don't go back and read every message that's ever been posted. A lot of it gets lost in the fray, and there's a lot of valuable stuff that my wife is sharing, and that's an important interpersonal social relationship. I don't know if you know that or not, but... I, yeah, I mean, I would say that your wife and then your kids are the closest ring in the circle of trust. <laughs> exactly. And the other thing is, is of course, I do have, you know, all of these acquaintances online and stuff, but there are about 80 to 100 people that I actually do maintain a pretty decent, ongoing, interpersonal, social relationship with online. And the even those people are getting lost in the mix from all of the people that I did a lot of courtesy following. Right. And this is even... Ah, this is even kind of exasperated or anyway, the word escapes me, but you know what I mean? This is this. It's a lot more difficult when you consider the fact that there are more than a thousand people who I would consider within the inner circle of the gspn.tv community. Now, there are, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands, tens of thousands who actually listen to GSPN content, but there are just over a thousand people who are the more loyal of the listeners of of GSPN that are community members, you know, people who right. interact in our online forums, people who show up at live shows, people who have come to meetups, you know, just over a thousand of those people. And of course, Dunbar's number says that, you know, there's a suggested cognitive limit to the number of people who I can maintain these stable, stable social relationships. So I can't be that person. Now, one of the things that I... Uh, am working on with you and with Jeff Gentry and some other uh, people within the GSPN community is this next level of what we're going to do with the GSPN community. And that is where we're going to have community leaders and, and stuff like that. And we'll talk about that another time. 
But what I've determined is that I really need to think about, you know, I when it comes to my checking in on Twitter all day, every day, why don't I check on the people that I really need to know more information about? So what I did, Eric, if I go to Twitter right now and I look, I am only following 85 people. Wow. That is that's, it. That's lower than I thought it would be. Yeah. It, it is 85 people is all that I'm following. And that was very scary, you know, that because I, I obviously I, I dropped a lot of people that I was following. Now, here's what I can tell you is what criteria did I add when I chose the 85 people? And by the way, I wanted a number that was within the Dunbar number. And mm-hmm. that, is, that was definitely my intention is to stay within a Dunbar number. Uh, so 80, you know, I basically figured if I went under 100, I could grow as I went forward and add new people. And and what I what I realize is when I'm following someone, what that means is I actually do care about what they had for lunch or where they what movie they went and saw or what product or service they're promoting or what blog posts they're reading, what makes them excited, what makes them you know, anxious about tomorrow, those kinds of things. The, the the people that I'm following are people that I am closely related to. Or there are a few people that I'm not closely related to, but it's still, they're very much people that I follow and that inspire me in the things that they're doing. And of course, obviously, I have 40 members of the podcast mastermind. Most all of the podcast mastermind members are there. The only ones that I can't think of are, you know, the ones who are not on Twitter. Um, And then there's my family and there are some key community leaders within the gspn.tv community. And that makes up my list and and a couple couple other people that I'm very much connected to, you know, have some close inter, you know, connected personal relationships. So that's what I did. Eighty five people is all that I'm following. And as a result of this, I, I, I've i lost, I haven't lost a thousand yet, but I am losing people just because there are some people who have this set up to where, you know, unfo- automatically unfollow people who unfollow me. Yeah, there, there are people who have it set up to with some kind of a mechanism. I don't know. I don't even want to know, but I know it exists where, hey, if they unfollow me, automatically unfollow them. Not to mention people who pay attention to who unfollows them, and I used to be one of those, but I am not anymore, um, that they look to see who unfollowed me, and they look and say, okay, and then they manually unfollow them. Not to mention residually, you're going to come down the line, people who courtesy followed you back, or the other way around, or something, Yeah, and then they will unfollow. However, again, does that really matter? If If you're really... I mean, I guess what I'm saying is is I don't think that it necessarily matters per se because what I assume is going to happen here is you're, you're doing this purposefully to strengthen the prioritized relationships. And yeah, somebody might have their feelings hurt if they figure out they're not necessarily being followed by you and don't think that you care about them. However, I would argue... If they mentioned you or talked to you on Twitter, you wouldn't hesitate to reply. Oh yeah, that and that's the point. That you're ex- not cutting people off 
You're just prioritizing. That is exactly it. Matter of fact, yesterday I probably sent out 30 different at replies to people and and I send out a well depend some days I, I I I'm hardly on Twitter at all but but most days when I'm on Twitter heck yeah if anybody mentions me I'm going to respond and or you know most everybody there are some days when I get you know more than 60 at replies but but most everybody yesterday was a perfect example of this I I tweeted some things that I thought about the new iPhone and and stuff like that, and people were like, hey, but did you think about this, what about this, what about that, and I'm having these conversations, and literally having ongoing, real-time conversations with people on Twitter that I'm not even following. Right. But they're following me, and they're responding to something that I posted, and I'm able to have that same interaction. My unfollowing them has not hindered our ability to have a conversation, the only thing that it's done is two things. Number one, it does not throw their status updates automatically into my timeline if I, you know, if it's not a direct mention or an at reply to me. And number two, it's removed their ability to send me a direct message. And by, by the way, my email address is cliff at podcastanswerman.com. Anybody can email me anytime. And that's a more robust private messaging system. Absolutely. And 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 in fact, it gives you the ability to send me more than 140 characters. Uh, but but the thing is, is that this is what I've chosen to do. And now here's the thing. So as you said, I'm able to have these continued ongoing conversations. But if you were to go to, you know, twitter.com slash GSPN, and then on the left-hand side, click on list, you'll see that I have a list for the podcast mastermind. You'll, ha- you'll see that I, well, actually, you won't see that I have a list for my family members uh, because it's private. But, private, yeah. But then you will see that I have a list for GSPN community members. And it has 398 members that I know that are on Twitter. And the rest of the people, you know, that, that you know, all I need to know is, are they a member of the GSPN community? And if you are a member of the GSPN community and you're finding your that you're not on this list. And by the way, GSPN community members, uh, Podcast Answer Man community members are also a part of the GSPN community. Podcast Answer Man is part of the Generally Speaking Production Network as well. So if you find that you're not on that GSPN communities list, members list, then let me know. I'll add you on. Just hit add reply. Hey, Cliff, I'm a member of the community. I'd love to be on that list. And I'll put it on there. But here's the situation. What I, what I love about this is that I can still go to the list of GSPN community members when I want to. Just like before I told you I could go to the big stream if I want to. But instead mm-hmm. of a big stream having 1,700 members, you know, of, of all these courtesy follows, now I've only got, you know, when I'm looking at my main timeline, there's only 85 people. And when I'm looking at the GSPN community members, I'm I'm looking at those 398 people. And then as I want, I can add additional lists. Like, for example, I remember remember we went to PodCamp Boston 5 and we were yes. using tools to follow everybody that was there. I remember. And today, I can tell you right now what I would love to do. I would love to actually create myself and I, I would actually create these probably, well, I don't know, maybe public lists. Uh, I would actually call it, let's just say, you know, NMX 12. Let's just say I'm going to create, you know, twitter.com slash gspn slash list slash, you know, NMX 12. So everybody that I meet at NMX 12, I'll just add them to that list. Mm-hmm. 
And that way, they're not automatically showing up in my timelines. But anytime I want to say, hey, I wonder what's going on with all those people that I met at NMX New Media Expo in January 2012, I can click on that list. I can follow. Anyway, that's why I'm not following all the people that I used to follow. And I will tell you this. I had somebody who was on Twitter and they said, Cliff, uh, or at GSPN, I'm still waiting for you to follow me. Now, this actually happened the day after I <laughs> stopped following everybody. And I wrote back, and, and, and by the way, I clicked through to the user ID. I read the person. I recognized the name. This is somebody who had recently purchased some products from me. I, I knew I had an email conversation or two. And this person writes and said, you know, hey, I'm waiting for you to follow me on Twitter. And, and, and in a way, I, I feel like that person is saying, I'm waiting for you to validate my value on Twitter by a follow from you. It would mean a lot to me. And, and, and I still, I still kind of sense that that is a, a reality. But, yeah. but at the same time, I click through to the person's ID and, and I won't give any indication of who it is other than the fact that I looked and, and the Twitter ID happens to be something that is very much sports related. I read the, the, the bio and the bio isn't limited to sports. But what I did is I looked at the most recent 40 tweets that were not at replies and almost all of them were sports topics. And I wrote back and I said, at so-and-so, you know, I, I hate to say this, but unfortunately I have, I don't have a single sports bone in my body. And this person writes back at GSPN, hey, but our my show isn't just about sports, it's about entertainment, it's about this and it's about that and I know that you're interested in those things. And I also bought digital products from you. Almost like now you have to follow me. And, I, and then I wrote back and I said, listen, I've just found you on Facebook. I've sent a friend request to you over there. I'd love to connect with you. Um, you're also, I've just added, made sure to add you into the GSPN community list. So I'll have you there. Um, and at this time, I just, I'm very, very judicious about the the number of people that I follow on Twitter. And and I I, I wonder how much this will damage my ability to connect and and continue to to have that that kind of free flowing relationship with people but then again i also wonder how this is going to benefit the relationships that i'm more intentional about yeah I, again i think it's not closing people off it and it's not it's definitely not enabling them to see their worth in getting their worth from you following them because that's not a source. It shouldn't be at least. Yeah. So I hope not. If if anything from this conversation, I just want people to know if I, if I am not following you on Twitter, that does not mean you are less valuable of a person. That's, that's exactly the point right there. That is, that is not it at all. And it's not that what you say isn't valuable at all. It's, It's just that, is it, is it something that, I am going to be using in an ongoing daily interactive or even weekly interacting interactive relationship with you. And if not, I'll right now I'm still connected on Facebook, which by the way, 
I can say this, and I have already revealed it here. Facebook is my favorite social network right now. Um, Facebook.com slash Cliff Ravenscraft is my Facebook account. It is my personal profile. Do not have any fan pages or anything like that. I do connect myself to 2,618 friends. Uh, So far, I have 220 uh, subscribers on in addition to that. Um, I can add, I can add up to 5,000 friends on Facebook. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to messages, yes, I can get a lot of messages from people that, honestly, you know, just email me, cliff at podcastanswerman.com. That's where I prefer to get my communications. Um, I do check my Facebook messages and try to get to Facebook inbox zero about once a month, maybe once every other month, sometimes a, once a quarter. Uh, you know, but if it, it, I figure if it's important, you would have emailed me. If it's a Facebook message, it's kind of just a social networking thing. That that's in my mind. That's how I gauge that com- communication. Um, if you now, here's the deal: you leave me a comment on anything that I post, and that's sometimes that gets that's higher priority than um, inbox zero in my email inbox. A comment is a way to get a hold of me on Facebook. Uh, but anyway. Um, I do get a lot of those act, you know, those apps, you know, when there's a new one out that's become popular. I kind of hate that I, because, you know, every I'm connected to 2,618 friends. I probably get about 40 of those. So and so invited you to like their page mm, requests. Yep. Uh, and, and I wish there was a way to turn those off, but there doesn't seem to be. And if you can find that out, Eric, that would be awesome. Or if you ever find out, I'm not giving you a to do item, but. If you ever come across anything, how about you email me that? <laughs> nice, <laughs> I love it. But um, I don't know. I I, I don't th- you know. I don't think that I would go in and drop my Facebook friend friends down to the eighty five people at this time. The one reason why, if I click on Facebook and go to my main timeline, yes, it shows me timeline you know stuff from up to two thousand six hundred eighteen people, right? However. I never do that. Um, I actually have a a shortcut that I go to every day that takes me to facebook.com slash lists slash and then there's it looks like about a 14 or 15 digit number which is the is the ID for the list I have created. It's a custom list called guess what people I follow and guess how many people are on that list 34 oh 34 people on on my Facebook list. And and now the thing is, is that, you know, what I do is is I still when I want to get real time updates on what's going on with people, I still check into Twitter and then, you know, I, I will check in on Facebook and and stuff like that. So I, I and now the thing is, is if, you know, if all of a sudden it's like, man, I've I'm really bored and I really want to just check up with what's going on with as many people, I'll go to Twitter I'll I'll look at my timeline. If there's not anything, you know, if I've caught up with everything there, I'll check out the GSPN community t- uh, list on Twitter. If that's all caught up, sometimes this happens. Like if I can't sleep and it's one o'clock in the morning, and then I'll go to Facebook and I'll look at the people I follow, and then I'll hit the the you know the fire hose Facebook feed of the two thousand six hundred and some odd people, and and that's how I that's how I go about doing these things. But yeah, Twitter. I'm not following everyone anymore. Well, we'll we'll see how this goes. I, I mean, again, I think you're going to probably report back that you're 
actually able to engage more and have more time for Twitter because you've pared it down and make it much more of a useful tool. Yeah. Well, it, I actually, I don't know that I will have more time for Twitter because I'm not looking for more time for Twitter. Interestingly you'll enough, be, you'll be wasting I, less time on Twitter is what I'm saying. So the, then when the, when you do use it, it will be productive time on Twitter. Twitter has become more enjoyable for right. a real time. It's, it's almost like group texting to me is what Twitter is like for me now. It, it is it is a real time public, you know, you know, instant communication with people. That That's what Twitter is, has become for me. And I, I kind of like it for that. And I love that it's just a few people and 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 yeah, it's it's there. But you know what? It's not where I go to publish a ton of information. In fact, um, you and I were talking. I, I still have my GSPN underscore extreme account. Right. And I, I, I love that. Matter, matter of fact, that account, you know, it follows, I think it only follows like two or three people. Um, but GSPN underscore extreme, I'll, what I'll do is on my main GSPN account, if I'm getting ready to do some excessive tweeting, I'll say, hey guys, if anybody's interested, I'll be excessively tweeting at GSPN underscore extreme. And that's when I'm, I'm planning on sending, you know, more than 10 tweets per hour. And, and, and st- so I did that during the Apple keynote. I, I, that way the people who are following me, I mean, I've got 9,000 people right now that are following me on my main GSPN Twitter account. And I don't want to bother those people with a ton of excessive tweeting. I want the tweets that I do put on Twitter to count. And so if I post something on Twitter, I posted it because I felt felt that it was valuable enough information on my main Twitter account. GSPN ex- underscore extreme, not so much. Uh, you know, warning ahead of time. <laughs> Read the bio. That's all I got to say. Um, but but when it comes to Facebook, I'm posting more stuff there. And I that that's where that's where I'm seeing the greatest return on my social media investment. And uh, that I can't believe I just said that again, but it, it's true. It, it is. I have fallen less in love with Twitter, but now that I've actually gone in and 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 followed the Dunbar principle when it comes to the number of people that I follow, I, I feel that Twitter is thinner, lighter, and more fun than it has been in a long time. So there you go. That that's my thoughts. Nice. Awesome. Well, Eric, you're going to take the next week off. Is that right? Where you? That's right. Going to the Quitter Conference, huh? I am. I just want to say that I have uh, been loving your Beyond the To Do List podcast. Thank you. Uh, I have just finished listening to the Mark Melkoff episode, and I really enjoyed that. I just interviewed his wife for her perspective on everything he said. So that's another fun episode. <laughs> That's awesome. And I know that you got Michael Hyatt, Andy Traub, uh, Justin Luca Savage, I believe, as well. Mm-hmm. So you got some great people in there. I know you got some more already recorded that'll be released, re- re- released, and soon to be listed on the site. But anyway, uh, where can people find your to do Beyond the To Do List uh, podcast? It's at beyondthetodolist.com. And where can they find you on Twitter and Facebook? Eric with the K, the letter J, F-I-S-H-E-R. Any place else you want them to connect with you? No, go there. Start there. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for everything, Eric. Thanks. 
Well, my friends, that is going to wrap up this extremely long episode of Podcast Answer Man. I hope you don't mind that I took this time for the very first time to say and think these things out loud. Uh, And very appreciative of Eric Fisher being there as a sounding board to kind of get a feel and judge, you know, how somebody might react to hearing these things coming out of my mouth for the very first time. Anyway, I'm sure, as I said before, that you will probably have some comments that you want to share. I encourage you to do so. Come on over to podcastanswerman.com forward slash 276 podcastanswerman.com slash 276. Leave your comments, your thoughts. How do you handle your relationships online? Have you made any radical changes from when you first started using social media? I want to hear about it in the comment section. I'll engage with you in conversation there. Hey, want to say real quickly, uh, New Media Expo coming up in January. I don't have a registration link for you yet. That'll be coming very soon. I mean, you could go to uh, newmediaexpo.com and and sign up. They have some other things, but I know many of you have been asking for affiliate links and stuff like that. That'll be coming out uh, probably within the next couple of weeks. So I'll, I'll get you updates on that. I am finished with putting all but three sessions together. So uh, we have a lot of announcements that'll be coming out soon as far as what speakers are going to be at podcast or on the podcasting track for new media expo so i'm excited about that and uh just stay tuned to podcast answer man i'll have more details about that coming out very soon hey real quickly i want to say thank you to those of you who have been using my bluehost affiliate link uh, i really appreciate it and here are a couple of the more recent folks who have uh, signed up using bluehost it is uh, homemexicanrestaurant.com SalisburySD.us, SalisburySD.us, all right, W R I T E hyphen already.com, and Network Marketing Concept.com. I'll have links to all of this in the show notes if you guys want to see what people are doing there. Of course, I don't necessarily endorse everything that I am sharing in these links. I just want to say thank you and acknowledge that many people are out there using my Bluehost affiliate link. And of course, I do get a very generous commission. If you want to hear my entire thoughts on hosting, head over to podcastanswerman.com slash hosting. Anyway, I will be back again with another episode next week. And until then, if you haven't done so already, I encourage you to go over to podcasting a to z.com and don't forget if you want to save $100 and get immediate access to all of the tutorials ahead of time use promo code PAM in the shopping cart we'll talk to you then um, next week alright God bless y'all I'm out of here Whew. another show is in the can bye bye <laughs>